0: All that music brings us up to 7.30 here on your community radio station. That means it's time here on Monday to see if R.W. Estella is on the phone with us. Good morning, R.W. Hey, good morning, Allison. 142 years ago on this day, the first robbery of a moving train in the United States occurred. A group of men calling themselves the Reno Gang made off with $10,000 from an Ohio and Mississippi train in Jackson County, Indiana. Prior to this robbery, only trains sitting at stations or in freight yards had been targeted, so the Reno gang was inaugurating a whole new dimension for the adventure-seeking criminal element in the years just after the close of the Civil War. Reading of the Reno gang's on-the-run financial exploits of nearly a century and a half ago in Indiana made me think of financial events racing along this past week and a half in Washington, D.C. and in New York City. I'm referring to our pair of October surprises in connection to the $700 billion bailout plan. Because many of us have naturally grown cynical over the years thinking about governmental action of just about any sort, when the House of Representatives did not approve the bailout package during its first time up for vote, a fair modicum of surprise resulted. Then, letting our cynical guard down a dite and hoping that, yes, maybe perhaps at least one part of the Congress, the House, would stand fast and refuse to give in to pressure when the next vote to approve the bailout package came up. But on Friday last, we were again surprised. This time because the House we were beginning to slightly trust had reversed itself and given approval to the bill after all. And cynicism automatically became rejuvenated. Political dens such as the Senate and the House of Representatives forever remind me of the epiphany I had once almost 30 years ago while well, I was in the throes of a long and drawn-out, acrimonious divorce proceeding. At the onset, I had this ridiculous notion that the attorney who was representing me was my champion, totally dedicated to me and to countering and undoing the attacks made against me by my wife via her attorney. I was, of course, tremendously naive. That innocence ended, however, when I happened to see my attorney and my wife's attorney one day having lunch together, joking and laughing and having a great old time, no doubt discussing what idiots they had for clients. Not long after that, an insurance agent friend of mine gave me a birthday present that made everything perfectly clear. It was an attractively framed reprint of a late 18th century painting that depicted a young woman pulling on the horns of a cow and a young man pulling on the tail of the cow and a wigged attorney sitting on a stool and milking the cow's udder. Last week, our senators and representatives, Republicans, Democrats alike, provided the American public with one load of hooey after another, to do with as we wished, I suspect. Listening to the majority of these public servants became increasingly difficult. None of their incomes will be affected negatively, and neither their individual health care packages nor their pension plans are in jeopardy. How, then, are these folks who have virtually nothing in common economically with their constituents qualified to be deciding what's best for the average American's economic future? Maine still has plenty of residents in their 80s and 90s who vividly remember living in the Pine Tree State during the Great Depression. One such friend of mine, when asked about that time, quips, Yep, we heard the country was in this Great Depression. Couldn't tell much difference around here, though. Richard Judd, a professor of history at the University of Maine at Orono, says, The joke was that people didn't realize they were in a depression because Maine people had been dealing with economic adversities since the late 19th century when the state's core industries of fishing and textiles began to decline. Possibly the most disturbing part about this past week's runaway train toward more debt was that yet again the majority of those who we have elected to federal public office are not exercising a long view of things. Worse, like the outlaw Reno gang of 1866, they seem to be robbing the train as it's racing along. Even those who we are considering to elect to the highest federal office in the land are hastily creating more debt and both John McCain and Barack Obama say they are doing it because it's best for the American people. Would it be reasonable to ask them to specify which Americans among us they have in mind? From in Maine, have a great day.